As an engineer, I had to take several physics classes in college. And two of those classes were statics and dynamics. Now, it's been a while since I've taken these classes, but if I had to sum it up, I would say, you know, statics is the study of loads and forces and objects that are at rest or that are in constant equal motion. In other words, there's no change in motion or no change in forces. It's pretty static, hence the name. And then the other class was dynamics. And dynamics obviously came after statics because it was harder. And, you know, statics dealt with objects at rest. There was no change in forces, whereas dynamics dealt with objects in motion. Things were always changing. Forces were changing. Things were moving. And so you see the difference between statics and dynamics. Now, if I were to take a ball, I brought one this morning to show you. If I were to take this basketball and I were to roll it down the aisle, you all know what will happen. It'll start out pretty fast, start rolling, but then eventually it's going to come to rest. And there are a number of forces at work. There are some forces that are encouraging it to move forward, and that's when I throw it, my arm strength, I'm pushing it forward. And then there are other forces that are trying to keep it from going forward. You know, the force of gravity pulling down on it. The friction of the carpet is is causing it not to roll as well. And eventually, those forces will overcome, and it will come to rest. See, Wilson, I've learned something at Clemson. You know, you should be proud. I know uh, you all didn't know you could get an education there, but I learned a few things. So anyway, you have these forces at work when things are in motion. And as I was thinking about this idea of being in motion, the forces that encourage motion, discourage motion, I thought about God's people. And as you look through the history of God's people, you realize that God's people have always been a people that were in motion. They were a dynamic people, not a static people. And that's because when someone places their faith in Jesus Christ, their purpose becomes all wrapped up in what God's doing in the world. And so God's at work, therefore they're at work. And they're at work about doing what God's doing. And so obviously there's examples throughout history, and you all may think of some, where you know, within the people of God, maybe they were not the most dynamic. They lean more towards a static people. And even today, those who name the name of Christ, some are static, motionless. Maybe Christian in name only. But then others, and I think the majority of others, are dynamic. We're on the move. We're on mission. And the fact that we're gathering here this morning, you know, on the corner of Millage and Kingsway, is an evidence that the people in this church have a history of being in motion, on mission with God. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to take us on a journey with several stops along the way. And I want to make several stops within the New Testament. And then I want to take a brief stop about the 4th century. And then I want to bring us to our last stop, which will bring us to our present day. And I want to show you that God's people have been a people that have been on mission. They've been in motion, on mission with God. So the first stop I want us to go to is in Luke chapter 8. Now, I could have gone to several places in the Gospels because the Gospels give us insight into several situations where Jesus was on the move and He was on mission fulfilling what God had for Him. 
And so if you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke 8. If you don't have one, there's one in the pew you can use right in front of you. And this is what Luke says in, in verse 1 of chapter 8. He says that Jesus, He, went on through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom. And like I mentioned, you could look at pretty much any chapter in any of the four Gospels and see that Jesus was constantly about His Father's business. He was always in motion seeking to do God's will. And it says here that He was going through several cities, villages, healing the sick, telling them about the good news of the kingdom. And what Jesus is doing, at least one of the things that He's doing, is that He is modeling what it looks like to be on mission with God. He's modeling what it looks like. He's helping his followers that are around him. Because if you read the next few verses, you'll see that there are a number of people with him, seeing him do this. And he is modeling what it looks like for a life to be all about God's will. Our next stop is just one chapter over in Luke chapter 9. Verse 1, this is what Luke says. Luke writes, And he called the twelve together. So Jesus calls the twelve together and He gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And He sent them out to proclaim, proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. So first we see Jesus modeling what it looks like to be on mission for God. And then He sends out His disciples to do the same thing. But what's interesting here is that in order to be in motion on mission with God, you have to be empowered by God. You can't do it on your own. And that's why it says that Jesus gave them power to do what they were meant to do by God the Father. And so the only way they could carry out the mission of God is through the power of God. Now the next stop I want us to look at is in Luke chapter 10. Just one chapter over. And in verse 1... This is what Luke writes. He says, The Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of Him, two by two into every town and place where He Himself was about to go. And He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. So again, we see Jesus. He modeled it. He sent out the twelve, and now He sends out 72. And He is showing us that to be a follower of Christ means to be on mission. It means to be in motion, on mission with God. Our lives gain their purpose as they are wrapped up in what God's doing in the world. Now our next stop is in Luke chapter 24, verse 47. Jesus has died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. To open the door that we may have a relationship with God through that forgiveness that we can receive through faith in Christ as we turn from sin to Christ. He was buried, He was raised on the third day, and now He appears to His disciples. And He says in Luke 24 verse 47, He says that repentance and forgiveness of sins, in other words, this idea that you need to turn from trying to build your life apart from God Turn from sin. Turn from all those things you think and do apart from God, against God. You need to turn from that. Turn to God and ask Him for forgiveness through Christ. 
This message of the gospel, repentance and forgiveness of sins, should be proclaimed in His name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And we see from beginning to end here, Luke chapter 8, 9, 10, 24, and everywhere in between, that to follow Christ means to be in motion on mission with God. And what that looks like is to demonstrate and proclaim the kingdom of God. That's what Christ did. That's what He sent out His disciples to do. That's what He sent out the 72 to do. That's what He commended and commissioned the church to do. To all nations, starting in Jerusalem. So we see that when you come to Christ, when you come to Christ, you are put in motion. Just like that ball. When I grabbed the ball out of a rest position and applied force to it, it was put in motion. When you heard the gospel and you responded by faith and embraced what Christ offers you in the forgiveness of your sin, He's given you the Holy Spirit. He puts you in motion. He puts you in motion on the mission of God. See, when you take an object, like I mentioned the ball, you know, Newton's law of motion, it remains at rest Right until you apply force to it. And it's the same with us. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, which will be our next stop, we're going to see how this works out in the life of a Christian. Because before we came in contact with Christ, Paul says that we were dead in our sin. In other words, we may be in motion about a number of things, but we sure were not in, the, in, a, in motion fulfilling the mission of God. We were not partnered with God, involved with God about what He's doing in the world. We were dead in our sin. Motionless. Static. But then when we came in contact with Christ and embraced Him by faith, this is what is recorded in Acts chapter 1. Jesus tells His followers before He ascends into heaven, He says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So when you come to Christ, the trajectory of your life changes. All your dreams, all your hopes, they move from Christ to Christ. He is the focus. He's the one who determines the mission for you and the trajectory of your life. I had, this, I had this toy when I was a kid, and you may have had one as well, or you, had one for, you got one for your child. It was called Wooly Willy. You remember this? It was, a, it was a cardboard toy, you know, about this big, just a piece of cardboard. And it had a face, a bald man's face in the middle. And it was covered in plastic. And then inside the plastic, you had all these little metal shavings. Wooly Willie was his name. And what you could do is you could take this pointer with a magnetized end and put it to the toy, put it to the plastic, and all the metal shavings would just gravitate toward the magnet. And then you could, because they were magnetized then, you could place it on his head, you know, give him different hairstyles, you know, put a mustache there, you know, a little beard, or whatever you wanted to do. I was thinking about that toy. I was thinking, you know, before we came to Christ, that was our life. Metal shavings everywhere, going here and there, 
putting our attention here and there, our resources, all these other places. But then when the gospel came to your life, it was like that magnetic pointer coming down on that piece of plastic. All your dreams, all your hopes, all that you're about centers on Him. He's the focus. He's the focus. He's your mission. We want to be about whatever He's about. Now, what is He about? You know, what are you empowered to do? Well, the passage here in Acts 1 8 says you're empowered to be His witness. Now, when I say that, what do you think of? You may think of to be Jesus' witness means sharing the gospel with someone. You know, when I am in a conversation and I share the gospel with somebody, I'm being His witness. And that's true. Some of you may think of uh, a time, maybe one of these 40 days events where it's scheduled, uh, I plan for it, I go and I participate in vacation Bible school or something like that, and I am a witness for Christ at that point. And that's true. But I want to... I want to uh, challenge the idea of being a witness for Christ just, just for a moment. And I want to try to expand it for us. And I want us to see that being a witness for Christ uh, is not just an, uh, an allotment of time you know, in your week. In other words, you know, maybe you'll, you'll come you know, on Thursday morning and, and help bake some cookies and we'll take them to somewhere in the city to try to be a blessing to somebody. Well, that, that's, that's true. It takes some time to do that. And you are participating and witnessing for Christ to some extent by doing that. But is that all that being a witness means? And I would say no. Being a witness for Christ means being called to a lifetime, a lifetime of lifestyle witness. What it means is day in, day out, moment by moment, you are a witness for Christ. You are a walking billboard. As Christians, that's that's what we are. We are a witness for Christ. It's not like the courtroom where you're going through the case and they call a witness, you have your time on the stand and then you leave and you're done. That's not how it works. To be a witness for Christ means whether you're in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, whether you're in uh, Kroger or Publix or Walmart or at work or driving down the street, disciplining your child, spending time with your grandparents, talking to your mom on the phone, whatever situation you're in, every moment you are a witness for Christ. You're telling the world, this is what it means to be a Christian. This is what Christ is like. That's what we've been empowered to do, to be His witness wherever we go. Our next stop occurs in the 4th century. Rome had seen uh, an explosion of growth uh, of Christianity. And many of the emperors have welcomed that and even promoted it, beginning with Constantine in the early 300s. But then comes along this emperor, his name was Julian. And Julian became known as Julian the Apostate. Because Julian sought to take Rome back to Rome's ancient gods and to do away or marginalize Christianity. Well, he writes this letter. Julian, the emperor, writes this letter to one of the leaders 
in the religion that he's trying to promote. And we have a copy of, of this letter. And I just want to read you a part of it. Just to show you that the people of God have always been a dynamic people. This is what he writes. And it's, it's kind of interesting. What he, he calls Christianity atheism. He calls Christianity atheism because they do not believe in the Roman gods. And so this is how he starts. He says, atheism, meaning Christianity, has been specially advanced through the loving service rendered to strangers and through their care for the burial of the dead. It is a scandal that there is not one single Jew who is a beggar and that the godless Galileans or the Christians care not only for their own poor, but for ours as well. While those who belong to us look in vain for the help that should render that we should render them. So what Julian's writing is he's saying, if we're going to bring back the Roman religions of old, we have to, we have to be more like the Christians. <laughs> because look what they're doing. I mean, they're out on mission, living out their faith. And it's just taken over the empire. If we want to go back to our religion, then we have to be like them. It's basically what he's saying. And so what I'm telling you is whether you're in the 1st century or the 4th century or the 6th century, what you see is the people of God are a dynamic people. We've always been in motion on mission for God. Now what about today? Well, nothing's changed. Your God is still at work. He's still building His church. He's still building up the body of Christ. And as Christians, it's very simple. We've been called out. We've been called out of the world to be the body of Christ. But we've been called out to go out. And that's why we have this special emphasis on the 40 days of ministry. It's just a special time that we have set aside to say, you know... We want to, as a church, as the body of Christ, to go out in a special way, together, and represent Christ in word and deed to our city. You know, our mission, this church's mission, is to glorify God by being the body of Christ in, not this room, even though that's part of it, we gather, we worship, we are being the body of Christ here even now. But our mission statement is that we would be the body of Christ in this community. You know, that doesn't happen unless we go out into the community and show them and tell them who Christ is. And so these 40 days of ministry and ministry in general, the mission of God, it just doesn't just happen automatically. You know, we each have a part in it. We must take action. And I was drawn to a few Verses in Galatians chapter 5, which is our next stop. Galatians chapter 5, Paul is describing what it means to be on mission with God. And this is how he describes it in Galatians 5, 16. He says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And then later in verse 25, he says, If we live by the Spirit, 
Let us also walk by the Spirit. Or your translation may say, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And what's interesting to me, or what really struck out, stuck out to me, is that Paul is using words of motion to describe what it looks like to obey God. Walking by the Spirit. Keeping in step with the Spirit. Now I think he does that because God's people is that we are to be a dynamic people. On the move, in motion, always aiming towards Christ's likeness, moving towards being more like Jesus. And what that tells me here is that if we are to walk by the Spirit, Paul says, okay, I want you to walk by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. What that tells me is that we have a decision to make as Christians, moment by moment of every day. We have a decision to make. And the decision is whether or not we're going to move forward with God today. Are we going to move forward with Him today? Are we going to be open to where He wants to take us? Who He wants us to talk to? How He wants us to bless someone? Speak truth into someone's life? How He wants us to use us? You know, when I took that basketball and if I were to roll it down this aisle... I mentioned to you that the reason it began to move was that I applied this force to it. However, eventually it'll come to a halt. It'll stop because there are other forces working on it. The pull of gravity, the friction, all these factors are trying to slow it down and keep it from moving forward. And so my question to you is, you know, what has stopped you or what has threatened to stop you from moving forward with God? Because if, you, if you've received the Holy Spirit by receiving Christ, you've been given His Spirit, you've been given the power to move forward. But yet many of us slow down or even stop and become static. And I wonder, what has stopped you? What has threatened to stop you? Or maybe it's unconfessed sin that tends to stop us and slow us down. Maybe it's unconfessed sin in your life. There's areas of your life that you just have not given over to God and agreed with Him about the sin in your life. Well, John tells us in 1 John 1, 9 that if you confess your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive you of all your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. In other words, he's saying the Holy Spirit is ready to move you forward. Just say the word. He's ready, he's ready to move you forward. Or maybe you're sitting there and you may be thinking, you know, what's holding me back? What's really keeping me from going forward? Is I'm just too occupied by the things of this world. All that's going on around me and I just, I have trouble making time for God and even thinking about what God would want me to do. Well, Paul says in Romans 12, 1, he says that we should not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. In other words, God is ready through the power of the Holy Spirit to move you forward. To help you to lift your eyes from the things of the world to the things above. And there are many forces, just like that ball. When I roll the ball down, you got friction, you got the pull of gravity, all these different factors that are trying to slow it down. And it's true of you, and it's true of me. 
When we are in motion on mission with God, there are several things in this world that are going to try to stop us and keep us from moving forward. Even during this 40 days of ministry, there's going to be friction. Things aren't going to work the way we want. Our plans may fall through. But what are we going to do about that? We're going to keep moving forward. We're going to say, God, what what do you want me to do? How would you have me to serve? How would you have me to be on mission even during these next 40 days for your glory in this community? So the question I want you to ask yourself is what keeps you from being in motion on mission with God? What's slowing you down? And I also want you to know that if you're in Christ, take heart. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. In other words, you have a force applied to your life that no amount of gravity or friction can stop. So just take your foot off the brake. (laughs) Just open yourself up. Allow Him to use you in ways that He sees fit. Don't limit Him by the ways that you see fit. or, Or limit Him by what you think He can do through you. Just be open. See what God can do through you. Let's allow the Spirit of God to put us in motion on mission with God. Let us pray. God, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the testimony of centuries of Your people being dynamic on this planet. Just loving, serving, sharing the Gospel. We are here. We gather in this place today because Christians moved forward with You. And the Gospel moved from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, across Europe, across the ocean, into North America, into Georgia. And it's landed in our hearts. And now the baton has been passed to us. God, would You strengthen us? Will You give us the eyes to see the areas in our lives that are keeping us from moving forward? Lord, help us to have the humility to confess those sins to You. Give us the strength to fix our eyes on You. That we may be in motion on mission with You. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.